It is Saturday evening. Do you know where your children are? Yours are upstairs. I don't have children. I, I, I know Max is upstairs. I haven't seen Allie. <laughs> oh, man. Busy day. The, uh, the, <clears throat> the hockey is back to 0-0, zero, zero, right? So that's nice. Best of three now. Yeah. Yep. Got home ice advantage again. They played a lot better last night. I don't know if you watched any of the games. I did. I was actually over Damien's. We were watching the whole game. They played so much better last night. They they look like a Stanley Cup contender. What Damien was saying, and I haven't you know, haven't really talked to you about it, but what Damien was saying was that they were playing a much more sort of physical, rough game that the and the Penguins sort of had to adapt to that. Um, I I wouldn't. I don't know. I'm I'm hardly one of those sports guys that gets into the minutia of it. Um, I I would think the problem with the with the Senators was more so their um, the way they position themselves on the ice with the one three one trap, you know, that they have going, where they keep three guys in the neutral zone, and they're really good at making that impenetrable. Practically, really hard to get into the attacking zone and staying on sides. Okay. Um, to me, it looks like they were shutting down most of the Penguins' attempts because of that. Uh, I don't think they're playing nearly as physical as the Capitals did. Yeah. I, mean, I, I definitely noticed a lot of hits and a lot of... Yeah, and there, there was that one hits. where when the guy got his nose cut and... Lots yeah, of yeah. stuff where it was like it was, the, um, where it was almost like wrestling in the sense that it was like oh behind the ref and so the ref didn't call it and that kind of shit. Like, yeah, what? no, there was a lot. Of, it's the playoffs. <laughs> there was a lot of that shit all over the place. Uh, the Penguins were aggressive as hell last night, and uh, like I said, it's they didn't look in the first uh, two games, three games, like a team that could win the Stanley Cup. Mm. I think last night they looked like a team that could win the Stanley Cup. Still got down to the last minute. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they got to make it exciting. Make it <laughs> they got to give you heart palpitations. Make, 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 to... make those tickets worth the price. That's my mom's like that. She's like, you know, I hate these close games. I want the. I want to. I just want to watch the blowouts. <laughs> Yeah, that's no fun. Um, uh, pre-show beer is one of the Dave beers. We decided it's probably not wise to drink this one on the main show because it is called Winter Axis Festivale. That, and there were apparently none, no uh, good beers, uh, pre-show beers in the in the fridge. Cause you oh, were like, I was I was looking for something that we doubles that we had recently done on the show, but and I'm sure there's some in there. I just couldn't come across any of them. This is, uh, what brewery is this? Oh, uh, Imperium. Imperian. Yeah, so, uh, had to get up a little bit early today because Allie had an 8.30 soccer game. And then after that, did some yard work, trimmed the hedges out front. Did you notice how nice the, and round the hedges were out front? Nope. I mean, I got, it was pretty dark when I got here. (laughs) Um... Did a bunch of yard work around back. And then Heather found some lady that was selling like a, a gazebo. I mean, we, we wanted some kind of shell, like shading for our deck for years. And I never wanted to buy these cheap metal and canvas ones because they're they're cheap. And they're still 
500 600 uh maybe even more i can't remember uh heather found one like on the online neighborhood marketplace a lady was selling one of those relatively cheap canvas and metal gazebos mm-hmm. uh but for over 100 bucks and they put it, they've been putting it away at the winter so for 100 bucks I'll, I'll go with the cheapy sure you know but not for Six or more. Do you think that's a notch on April, or is that just it got kicked up? I can't tell. <laughs> I can't tell either. Um, so I set that thing up today. So now, after you know, living here for what eleven years, I think, been here, finally put something out on the deck, and I might actually use the deck now. <laughs> so, well, we've 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 used the deck before, but mostly when it was getting darker, yes. right? But the number of times that I've actually hung out on my mm. deck. Is your kids have enjoyed it because they don't care? Yeah, it's gone. The deck is as oh, what long. About, what about hops? Have you racked up hops again? Or I didn't string them in time. <laughs> they were all <laughs> yeah. So no hops again this year. Um, but the deck's as long as the house. You know, it's this huge deck back there, mm-hmm. and we've just it's gone completely underused. Um, so now we got a gazebo. Maybe if we you know love the gazebo, then I'll. Really go in big and have a roof put on it or something like that. Maybe you can make one out of a print, print a printer. Roof. Yeah, <laughs> make it out of the flexible one so it doesn't get too bad in, in the sun. Mm, yeah. Oh, this is a spice dale. I would expect so. Winter ale, six point zero percent. Call an amber, but winter. It's an interesting spicing to it. With vanilla mm. and. There's some nutmeg. Oh, there's the nutmeg. Yeah, super nutmeg. So, yeah, my printer went on the fritz. My 3D printer. You know, since the pre-show is kind of like the print, 3D printing update. You know, <laughs> I think some people are interested. I know Jason is interested in it and a few other people. So, um, printer, like I said, I put in that new hot end. I was getting dialed in. I printed a whole bunch of shit. I was... <laughs> um, Doing this thing Greg wants. He wants the thing to help kind of illustrate vectors and mm-hmm. rotation. And so I was just kind of... He wants something that's kind of like a, a extendable... Like an antenna or a pointer, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and we still might be best off getting some pointers and putting that into the project. But we'll see. I'm going to... So I'm trying to see if I can make this telescope. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, if it can't telescope, yeah. then, then variable size pointers is fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just trying to see if I can make this telescoping thing. So, you know, it's like, okay, let's see what tolerances it takes. So I printed the first attempt. Didn't fit. So I resized the outer piece, and I go to print the second one, and the extruder, the hot end on the printer, wasn't getting hot. Sitting there, it's the... the the box was showing that it was heating the element. Those are crimpers. I know. There's a little, like, tiny bit of thing coming off at the end here. There we go. All <laughs> right. Um, like, had a tail. Had a plastic yeah. tail coming mm-hmm. out. I'm surprised it looks as good. It was doing that top part so fast, like, layer after layer after layer, because it comes to a conical top. I was just really surprised that it um, came out as nice, good as it the, did. The conical part. I, I didn't. Think, I thought I was going to have to. I was watching it print, and I thought it was going way too fast. I thought I was going to have to do things to make that part go slower, but no, it, it turned out. Um, 
but yeah, it wouldn't get hot. I'm like, oh my God, what happened to my printer? Uh, I was thinking like worst case type thing. Like I, and I, so I peeled off the insulation near the crimps near the top, near the end. And, uh, I wasn't getting a voltage there. I'm like, oh no, you know, that may, so now I'm hoping that like the plug inside the control box, like came loose or something like that. Oh, you haven't tested that yet? No, no, no. I had it apart. Oh, okay. Oh, you, okay. The, the plug this, was... You're going through your process. Yeah. So, yeah. so I took the voltage meter, and there's voltage on the plug on the board. So the board's not fried, which made me very happy, because, I mean, that was, seemed like another very likely reason was that the uh, MOSFET on the board went bad, and that's not serviceable. You know, that's buy a new board for 60 bucks. Not a horrible expense, but... I mean, you, you've already spent how much money on this? Well, I didn't want to spend another 60 on a board that, you know, isn't a consumable or, you know. So, <laughs> so there was voltage on the board, but not voltage at the hot end. So, you know, it took me a while and I realized if I was wiggle, if I wiggled the wire. So I set up a, use my voltmeter for a continuity test where if it makes a loop, makes a circuit, it beeps, right? And if it's broken, no beep. And then I found out if I was wiggled a wire in a certain way, it would beep, 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 beep. Beep, you know, and uh, so just barely getting connectivity, continuity, and uh, turns out one of the crimps went bad. I guess there was probably some corrosion or something inside the crimp. I, I really couldn't get it apart to see what it was. I just cut the crimps off. Went over to my dad's place. He had some of these nice all metal, tiny little twenty-two gauge crimps, and butt splices is what they're called. And uh, butt splice. They're called butt splices. Yeah, search. Yeah, search for butt splice. Hold on a second. It's 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 a crimp to crimp two ends of wire together, splicing together. <laughs> <laughs> butt splice. <laughs> um, so I put those on. So I put one on last night, and I go to crimp the second one on. And as I'm crimping, I had kind of like my muscle drift, right? So I pulled it off the wire and I squeezed it shut. You know, so there's nothing inside, and you can't redo it. And I only had two crimps. So like, fuck. So I went over to my dad's place today, and I went through his box of magical crimps and spices, and there was only one more. So I was able to finish it out today and not have to, you know, wait a couple of days. Uh, now that I know what size I need, I can buy a hundred of them on Amazon for like seven bucks. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't tell what size I needed until right. I you know, was able to go through my dad's box of magic. Um but no, it's it's back up and running. I think it might be heating faster than it was before. Ooh. So the original crimps might not have been like super duper um, passing a lot of current. Um, I noticed they were warm before, but I thought that was just from the heat coming out from the heater cartridge, which a little ceramic heater cartridge gets super duper hot. Um, but maybe there was a lot of resistance. In- maybe there's a lot of resistance in that crimp, and that's part of the reason it was hot, too. Um, put the whole thing. Together. I haven't done a print yet. I've, I've done some extru- I've extruded some plastic. Um, I w- I did try to print the resize thing for yours, but then I realized that when I hooked up the webcam, webcam wasn't working, and I was upstairs. I got it. So I still have to figure out why the webcam's not working. Maybe this I'll is put- not the other. One. This is not the Logitech one. This is the no, it's the Pi one, Raspberry Pi one. Yeah. I might have put the cable in backwards or something. Mm-hmm. I just have to figure it out. Uh and I wasn't able to, you know, sit down here and watch the printer. I wasn't going to do my first print 
uh, after putting everything back together mm -hmm. without monitoring it. I could have monitored it over the webcam, but since the webcam was working, I canceled the print. And if you want to make a really just easy first first print, you can make. Remember that little um, the uh, fidget toy that you made me, the box one. There is that um, that nuzzle that goes in the maze. Okay. If you can make just you know five or six of those, like in just once, mm -hmm. that that should be really easy, quick print, right? Yeah. Oh, sure thing. I'll get you some more of those. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll remember that this time. I know I said I would do it last time and forgot all about that. So it did not like no rush. Yeah. Um, so yeah, back together. Just gotta shake out a couple bugs with the webcam and. Huh. Turns out bad crimp. Bad crimp. Okay. Uh, so I kind of overloaded you with with Sai shit uh at least you did you seem to be bored by the end of last night last time it's talking about photons talking about spin and we were talking about um how when a photon goes through some sort of polarizer oh i wasn't bored i mean maybe i got bored i don't know i got tired i could tell you, you got that. tired okay um Let's see. What was I trying to uh, to get to? Because I wrote some stuff down here. So I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the big things that has been um, coming in my mind recently. The stuff I've been I've been reading about and working on has been very much related to rotation everything is is kind of about rotation in, in some way or another uh and i wanted to damn it because i'm trying to think about what exactly it was that i was trying to sh to bring about hmm i think i wrote down some of it <laughs> <laughs> uh We've talked about complex numbers and stuff, and 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 one of the things that I um, I guess I didn't really explore too much is 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 why they're useful, uh, and in a sense, um, they're useful because they're uh, they're easy ways to to come up with uh, equations. Um, that have they're, they're easy way to calculate answers that have been go through all the rigmarole of doing big, dumb, ridiculous differential equations. So, if you're doing, for example, the electric field, when you're doing something in this complex space, mm -hmm. you that you do whatever the calculations you want, and then you collapse it to the real, and then you get your answer, and it makes it really easy. Um, the question is, why does it collapse to the real? Well, one of the things that's sort of not mentioned a lot uh, when you're doing, when you're learning this stuff is that these are always calculated with the complex conjugate, which means just the opposite is going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. So then you can, it phase collapses to the real. Okay. If that makes sense. Sure. That, that part makes sense. Yeah. So I'm not sure if the, uh, the lead in, I'm not sure if I understand well, the point is that you know, if you're doing any like linear equations like this, 
you can do a whole bunch of of hard math, or you can just do them in the complex plane and do the calculations okay. that way, and it becomes a whole lot easier. I see. So it's a tool, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a tool that we use in order to help us uh, figure out answers to these solutions, get, get about them with much better, uh, you know, m- much easier ways. Okay. The interesting thing comes in when, okay, so that's a tool, but it, that's not, you know, that's not real, right? It's just a tool. When we start to analyze things that we didn't really understand, but using this tool as a way of analysis gets us better answers, then we start to question, is this a tool or is this what's really happening? Right. That's sort of what's going on in particle physics is we now are at, we now are analyzing what's going on in particle physics using these tools, but we don't really understand what they mean in the real world. Not fully. We don't have things that, com- that, that collapse to real mm-hmm. in the same sense. They give us correct answers, though. So there's something that's correct about this. Whether it's the, our ability to, to um, interpret things in, in our reality is, is limited in some sense, or whether these are imperfect tools. But sure. I mean, it gets a little philosophical, too. Right. I, mean, I mean, if you distill it back down to, is mathematics an inherent property, or mm-hmm. is it an invented property? Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's very philosophical. We had a good talk about that probably about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very interesting. I don't know. You know I'm not, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on no, it no, for no. people listening. You know, it's, you know, for the scientist, right? It's mathematics seems like it's this inherent property of the universe, right? Math is the, the language to describe things mm-hmm. most accurately, repeatably, you know, um, the best approximation of what of explaining what's happening, and and the question is 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 that a property of nature, or is it a property or something we invented to mm-hmm. describe, but not in itself a property of nature. Now, I've come to the opinion that it, it's something we invented, but by using and analyzing what we have invented, we can discover things about nature. By just analyzing things that we invent. Right. And uh, so I did want to talk a little bit about rotation, what that what that really means, because I don't think it comes across often. Okay. But like, so if you have, and I'm just going to put down, I keep putting down this Cartesian plane, basically a plus sign, which, you know, you, X and Y axis, because mm-hmm. it, it makes it sort of easy to understand what, what, what you're talking about. And if I have some sort of triangle in this, in this plane, and I look at this other picture... And it's obvious to you, because you know what's going on, that this is just a triangle that's rotated, you know, 90 degrees. Okay. But what does that really mean if the triangle is rotated 20 90 degrees? What is the triangle, man? Well, what it means in this in this sense is that the same operations that work when the triangle is, you know, has is, is facing upwards work when when the triangle is facing to the right. The triangle itself isn't changed. So the same kind of mass... Right. So you, you drew an isosceles triangle. Mm-hmm. So turning the tri- triangle 90 degrees, you can still use the same formulas to find the height of the triangle and things like that. Right. And But, but like you will get different answers for what the height of this object is if you just use this perspective. But 
if you recognize that this is just a rotation to here, mm-hmm. well, then you can rotate it back right. and get those same answers again. Just as long as you recognize that's what it is. It's just right. a rotation. It's, it's an orientation really thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you wanted to figure out the height of the... I mean, so if you look at the the triangle that's rotated, it doesn't necessarily look like a isosceles triangle in the normal way because... It's it is symmetrical on the plane, but <laughs> because it's turned, the height isn't. You, well, I guess the height is just the length of of the left hand side in that case. Right. But um, it, I mean, it's a good. I'm 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 thinking and I'm cooking through this, but it's a good example, right? Because when you the original, you have two uh, right triangles butt to butt mm-hmm. and then in the, the other one you, i guess you have them top and down but it yeah yeah you have to you have yeah. really yeah. have you know a couple right i mean yeah. depending on how you want to do it mm-hmm. but yeah you're yeah but you're, i mean if you want to figure out the height of that first triangle you got to cut that thing into two right triangles mm-hmm. and then with the other one if you want to figure out the length of the triangle i guess that's it you know you just it's the same thing but you're just rotating the right so understanding essentially both that these objects are the same un- under a rotation, so you can rotate it back, and that the same physics applies regardless of how you're rotating your object uh, is is important. Because I did want to talk about, I, 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 in Ask Science, I put forth a hopefully simple way to understand what gauge theory is. Somebody was asking about that, and, and people were okay. like, I don't know if you can do that. And I said, you know what, maybe there is a way. What, 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 we'll start with basically what a gauge field is. And I'm going to start with a piece of paper. I'm going to say... So I sent uh, Harp back his mm-hmm. coin, and I also ripped one of your science talk drawings out of the notebook. Oh, and, cool. And kind of wrote a little, like, here's one of Greg's science talks, and signed it and put it in the envelope, too. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And on the piece of paper, we're going to put uh, on, on one side a circle, and another side a circle. And I'm going to say these represent buckets of water. They're the same... Same, uh, so they're cups of water out mm-hmm. glasses of water. They're the same size. They're full of water. Full of water. Now, if you imagine this piece of paper as just like a plane, uh, <clears throat> and you imagine that uh, it was tilted, well, you could then see how for both of these glasses of water, cups of water, buckets of water, the water's going to be, be spilling out the same way. Okay, yeah. Both of these systems are essentially, we're going to say both these systems are symmetrical. Both of these systems are should be operating the same. Now, what happens if I take this piece of paper and I bend this side, but not the other side? Okay. So now these two cups are not symmetrical anymore. They're not the same. Mm-hmm. One is pilling out and the other is. The problem is that the nature and all the stuff we say about these two glasses says that they should be acting the same. So if you do this, then we don't. it's not really clear why... This cup is not spilling, and this cup is. In fact, it shouldn't be. Everything we measure says it shouldn't be. So we come well, around. Hold on a sec. Okay. You, you bent one. Mm-hmm. Well, how you didn't bend it in normal three-dimensional space because, or at least here on Earth, right? Because gravity's pulling on yeah, one, right, you know, ninety degrees compared to the other one. Right. So, so what did you mean by bending it? Well, okay. So let me say I did this way. 
I have this thing, and from my perspective, it looks like I bend this like this. And so you can understand why this glass is spilling, but you don't understand why the other glass, which is symmetrical and doing the same thing, is spilling. Because from your perspective, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, it is spilling? It is spilling. Why is it spilling? Well, the question is, what did you bend? You didn't bend a sheet with yes. two glasses sitting on top That's of it precisely in the Earth's gravity. What am, I, what am I bending? And the answer is, I'm locally transforming something. Like, if I do it this way, if I take the whole piece of paper and just tilt the whole thing, that's a global transformation. Right? If I bend it this way, I'm doing a local transformation. So I'm bending it so the other one, from my perspective at least, doesn't get bent. But everything we say about these two objects say they should act the same. So what a gauge field does is it, it's basically something that is applied to your physics when you're doing a bend like this. It essentially you takes... Know, you need to explain to me what that bend is. It's not bending a piece of paper or a scrap. It's looking at the particulars of this we'll call this uh i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out a way to do this without getting deep into the math but i could just well let me get to the point and then we'll see if i can work backwards from there all right okay so a gauge so if, if i bend this they don't stay symmetrical clearly that's not right because they do stay symmetrical so if i bend this and then there's a field that acts to make it so this is now bent both that this is bent in the opposite way so that it's the same right so i bend this and then some other field bends the rest of this so is it equals out they're both acting the same then again okay that's a gauge field so there's something but what are you bending i'm bending the same way that I'm rotating this. Bending is a perspective change, a type of perspective change that I'm doing on this portion. But this type of perspective change needs to... I need to understand what's going on here in this type of thing, but I don't have a full picture of what's going on globally. But in order for me to understand what's going on locally... In a global sense, there's a gauge field that pops this back, so it makes it global. I s e uh, okay. I mean, I'm not having a problem with the the gauge field making the thing symmetrical again, but I still don't understand the circumstance where you're what you're bending. What bending means? It's abstract. I, I admit. Um, if this were, if this were physical, then there would there would actually be a force on this piece that prevents me from bending it, and that would be the gauge force. So if I try to bend it, it won't let me because it'll be it'll counteract that bend completely. What's an example of something that exists that? You can't bend, or you try to bend, and it doesn't. It, it rotates. Um, the uh, a classic example would be electromagnetic field. If you uh, if you tr if you 
move really fast compared to it, then all the other variables will change around you so that the other stuff you notice about the very about the electric field looks the same way to you okay so that's another that's a reason why c is always the same regardless of how fast you're moving for example effectively what you observe about the world is that there are things that no matter how your how the difference of, of your perspective changes, they they stay the same. Okay. So yeah, you're measuring the speed of light and you start running really, really fast, and you get to from your perspective, the device that, that is emitting light is moving away from you at uh, one one half the speed of light, but you're still measuring the speed of light to be C. So there's a gauge field. The electromagnetic field is a gauge field. For some reason, you can't. whatever you're doing to, to change your coordinate system isn't affecting that light. Okay. You're twisting your perspective, but the field is twisting itself back effectively. Okay. So that's that was my attempt to try to explain gauge field in a way without getting into any math. You don't seem convinced. No, no, that's I think you explained part of the phenomena fine. You did an awful job at explaining what the you know the bending part was awful. Yeah, it's hard to. I mean, this is this is a concrete thing, and so if I say this is abstract, then you're like, well, okay, then well, right. But it. it doesn't make sense if you're it, the analogy of your pans of water sitting on a flexible sheet doesn't make sense, right? It's. I, I understand why you started with it, but when you got to the point where you said you bent it and both of them spilled, even though one of them hasn't moved, mm-hmm. you never. And you explained that phenomenon as as this, but you never drew kind of a connection okay. of what that bending that was, right? And then yeah. you never really did. You know, you you. That that yeah, that's true. I, I can't figure out a way to get that bending in in a way that isn't abstract. Because if I just clearly talk about something in a gravitational field and bending it, well, then you know you can bend things in a gravitational field. So the idea that you that you can't is 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 kind of silly. I mean, if you use it as a visual tool, but you need to have a more firm anchor to the the real yeah phenomenon. Maybe it's the electromagnetic fields. I, I don't know enough to, to help you tie that together. But um, I don't know. I mean, that's the biggest thing I had. Of, you know, okay. when, you, when you said, you know, I bend this and it looks like this, but they both spill. And what it means is the gauge field makes that other one rotate with it. And it's not really bent, but it looks like it's bent. There was a complete disconnect of what that bending phenomenon was, right? Physically, 
Yeah, because it, it, the, the truth is... I mean, can, like I, what I parroted back to you is what you were saying, right? Yeah. And that part makes sense, but that I'm trying to anchor this in something, and there was no anchor for the bending. Right. Good point. Okay, I'll have to rethink whether whether there's some either either this thing or whether there's some way to get this to, to work. As an example, maybe not. Um, the other the other one that I, that I worked on was something called carrier mobility, which is essentially if you have a some kind of conductor, then there's a speed at which electrons are moving mm-hmm. in the conductor. If you have a semiconductor, let's say you have you're doping this with germanium then the electron drift speed is going to be faster. And somebody said, well, it would take you a book to explain exactly why that is. I thought, well, maybe there's a way that you could explain it without a book. My example is this. These impurities create stresses. Stresses are... Uh, acting kind of like stretching in a way, uh, such that there's going to be potential energy differences. And the way that I would say you can think about this is think about a wing in air. Bernoulli's principle, right? If you have a wing, then the air is going to be moving faster over that surface than it will under the surface. Effectively, you're stretching the air making a lower pressure area and stretching the air. So imagine a stretching of the electric field over one of these impurities. That means that the charges are going to go faster. Hmm. That's an interesting way to put it. Does it hold muster? Yeah, I think so. I've gotten a couple upvotes on it, so... I mean, normally in S, in S science, you say something bad, you're going to get downvoted to shit. <laughs> so it's the, the the one problem I did mention this in, in the comment is that it's it's sort of like this because it's a, it's it's quantum. And the problem with uh, quantum is that classical analogies fail in a sense because classical analogies are overtelling a story. They're they're mm-hmm. putting too much, taking too much for granted. That it isn't actually a part of the system. Right. But it's more. I mean, you can look at it in that sense, and I think that it, it gives you an idea. Essentially, a, a semiconductor then is not is, is going to be able to move charges a lot faster, but it's similar to uh, the low pressure. It's not going to be able to hold as much constant charge, right? Because the the wing basically, when you have a low pressure, you have less air in there. Mm-hmm. So the air is moving faster, but there's less of it. You can have charges moving faster, but there's going to be less of them. Overall, for the most part, it doesn't really matter. Especially since charge density can be so big, mm-hmm. so but that's why this is my very simple explanation of why doping creates uh, this this phenomenon, which is um, this uh, damn it, just what I could, carrier mobility, higher uh, potential in semiconductors. Cool. I'm glad that one worked. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Let's see. Sometimes it's better to do these, these science things in the, in the first one. Sometimes it's better <laughs> to do the science things afterwards. Did you cut up on Better Call Saul still? Yeah, yeah. 
He bought the laundromat. <laughs> that was, it, it was, it, I mean, the, the episode was kind of a letdown from the, uh, from how great chicanery was. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's it, inevitable. When, when you get an episode that's amazing, you're not used to seeing the next episode. Like, well, we were just, talking about last week, how long till we see Saul Goodman? Well, Saul Goodman. <laughs> we saw Saul Goodman right away. <laughs> so I... You know, we were talking yeah, about there were there were a couple like one too many like Breaking Bad cameos like mm-hmm. haha look who we brought here I mean like the first guy they brought in was Crazy Eight mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah but we were wondering how you know how they would go from where they were last week mm-hmm. to the Breaking Bad timeline right and. Maybe they're just teasing it, but you know, this episode was like this big jump. In, into, in a sense, it into, was into, into into seeing some of those threads, some of right. those spots. I, I, the metaphor is often used for for episodes like this is uh, um, moving pieces on a chessboard because you're you're getting ready to do some sort of story, mm-hmm. so you need to make sure the pieces are in place. Okay, so uh, you're nothing major happened. This episode, but they're clearly they're setting up stories because they just had the big, you know, a big boom. The only thing, so you see, you see, you starting setting, uh, you're setting up Nacho betraying uh, Hector. You're setting up um, Saul Goodman, or at least you know where that idea comes from. Yeah. You're setting up something else with Chuck that we don't know what it is. It seems like he's. It seems like he's trying to, you know, he's more more scheming of some sort. Well, at the end there, I think he was trying to get over his phobia, right? He was... It was his own immersion therapy when he was grabbing the batteries. I think him just acquiescing, okay, we're going to move on. I don't buy it. <laughs> hmm any I mean, more than I would buy Jimmy saying, okay, I'm just going to move on and not do anything. I anymore. think he was having a... So the Chuck scene at the end there, I I was I interpret it as he wants to see if it's all in his head. Right? He's doing this immersion... Th- I mean, immersion therapy, but, you know, he's forcing himself to do uh-huh. something that he would avoid that he's trying to see. Is it really painful? You know, so he's... Trying to see if maybe he'll become accustomed to it and won't notice the pain and realize it isn't pain. You know that—that's the kind of thing I think he. I think he's still sane enough to realize that kind of thing. Where he might have come to the realization, like maybe Jimmy's right. Maybe I'm not sensitive to EMF. Maybe I mean. As we talked about, it's not that Chuck isn't feeling pain, or, or it's not that someone who believes they have EMH isn't feeling pain. Mm-hmm. It's that they are feeling pain, but the strain that they're falsely attributing it to stuff because it's really about stress, and they are associating their stress with with things uh, that they clearly don't really understand too well. Right. Um. So it's, it comes from a psychological place, but whether Chuck is doing that to help himself. It seems like that wouldn't be part of the story we'd be watching. Yeah. 
Maybe he's trying to commit suicide by <laughs> overdosing on an electromagnetic radiation. And there was a thing in the in the, in the beginning where uh, Chuck's ex-wife barges in on, on Jimmy and Kim about to have some nookie time. <laughs> and uh, you see the transition where Jimmy is just like, nope, I don't care anymore. And it, it was kind of brought the episode before this where, you know, where Chuck went out to Jimmy and said, you know, this is important that we do this for you, but mm-hmm. I'm sorry, brother. He's like, no, not anymore, not after this. Right. So clearly, this was a turning point. Right. Yet to watch Fargo. Um, I will. I will. But I just, the, the new season of Kimmy Schmidt just dropped. Okay. So I've been, I'm five episodes in that, and it's great. Is it good? Okay. I'll have to check that out. I've, I like the other seasons, so. I wanted, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, <laughs> which was just a poor, poor game. Um, just, uh, just a kind of piece of shit, really. And... <laughs> It's interesting to see so many people defend it. I think because, look, I I prepaid for this. I, I'm a Mass Effect fan, right? I I paid sixty bucks for this before it came out because I thought it's going to be a Mass Effect game. How could it not be great? Well, it was terrible. I mean, there were things that would occasionally shock you into respecting it. So it wasn't like it was completely worthless. And I did play a lot, a lot of it. I played it for like 30 hours, so something was compelling me to play it. Mm-hmm. But when it was over, it felt empty. Um, a lot of it was... A lot of it was just dragging out stuff that um, just wasn't fun. A lot of the quests were go to here, 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 go to here. <laughs> And then, and and each time you went from one place to another, it would be like two or three minutes of loading and shit you had to go through. Just really bad quest design. Mm-hmm. A lot of the dialogue was really cheesy. Like it didn't even. It was either it was one of two issues. One, the script needed huge work. The second one was whoever was directing the actors did a terrible job because they were they would be they would say dumb things and then. Like a good actor can pull off a dumb line, but a bad, you know, a, just a decent actor without good direction can't pull off a, a dumb line. And the game is just buggy as fuck. There are plenty <laughs> of of animation bugs. Some of those have been fixed in patches. Uh, a bunch of great game, literally game breaking bugs. We'd have to go back. Uh, things where like all the enemies would just be sort of stuck together in one clump and not move. Throw a hand grenade. Boop, yeah, th- it was released in this super buggy state, and it's still still tons and tons of bugs. Just everything that you could imagine would go wrong with a game did. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so then Mass Effect has been put on hiatus because of it. And now people are like, well, they didn't actually say that Mass Effect was put on hiatus. That's, you know, they just moved some people out of the studio. They took the studio and they split it apart, moved some people to other studios, and then said the studio is going to be a support studio. <laughs> <laughs> if you think that's just what happens when a game is done, no, no. They have, this game is is basically... Lying on life support is getting the basic 
a small team to just do sort of updates and uh, and and bug fixes, and that's it. And that's all it's going to be. So Mass Effect is dead until they did have a better idea. And and the other thing about Mass Effect Andromeda, so the original Mass Effect game was designed as a trilogy. It was designed for that they had three, you know, a big concept and. This one also was designed as a trilogy. Unlike the first Mass Effect game, at the end of the first Mass Effect game, there's really only one major question that's outstanding. Because it's the big question they, they put mm-hmm. up in the plot. But there are no major story questions. There are about 20 at the end of Mass <laughs> Drama they don't answer. <laughs> and they're not going to. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to make any more Mass, Mass Effect Andromeda games. Even, like, even if... They they wonder made more Mass Effect games. Mass Effect Andromeda basically takes place in another galaxy altogether, separate from the main Mass Effect uh, storyline. Yeah, so it turns out to be good, I think. <laughs> yeah. So even if they they wanted to make more Mass Effect games, they're not going to make more Mass Effect Andromeda games. So all twenty of those storylines, some of them are kind of intriguing they brought up, are not going to get answered. Maybe they'll write a shitty book or something that answers it, but you're not going to ever see it again. So I would recommend people don't play it. I mean, in any interesting storyline of Watch Earth. They said there are twenty questions. Only a few of them are interesting, and all of those don't aren't, don't get answered. <laughs> so, okay. don't play this game. Don't play Mass Effect Andromeda. Play Horizon Zero Dawn. I told you about that, right? I told you about the um, the post post apocalypse mm-hmm. scenario, uh, right? Yeah, that uh, yeah, you'd love it. It's a great game. I'll play it in ten years when I get it. Yeah, <laughs> you get that generation of game console. I've heard that the um, you have a Wii U, right? No, oh, you just have a Wii. Mm-hmm. Because I have heard that the new Zelda is fantastic, but I don't want to buy a fucking Switch just to play it. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, no. I mean, I have an Xbox 360, a Wii, an Xbox Original. That's it. <laughs> Xbox Original is a great console for playing those old, uh, yeah. old games. Okay, I think that's it. We can talk about uh, the the bigly week uh, in the post show. What a what oh. a week! It's been a week. 